the hard yards, passionate about sport. It's gone to the short side. Oh, it's not gone to the short side. It's gone to the trailer. I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi, Rob. Zeebs here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. <laughs> Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score. You're very welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. We have a packed show lined up for you today. I'm joined by Pat McCarry and former Ireland second row Mike McCarthy. Hello. Hi guys, thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. Uh, a little later we'll speak to Pro 14 comms guy. Adam Redmond um, I've got some good questions for him actually uh, and we have a great interview with Ulster and Ireland winger Andrew Trimble and that's all coming up um, you were just saying before we switched the mics on uh, you were with Trimby recently yeah I was doing some work with him at the game uh, the Argentina game there at yeah. the weekend so uh, no, it was nice to catch up with him so uh, I think he was a little bit upset that Stockdale got man <laughs> of the match so uh, but um, no no he's, he scored a very good try the night before against Treviso to win them the game so um, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's back on the radar yeah it is it's a funny situation for Trimby though isn't it you know there's a, there's a lot of Ulster wingers and Stockdale's jumped them all yeah and, and Stockdale all of a sudden looks like it just feels like he's been there for years isn't it like it, it's you start the Six Nations and you're like that's going to be 11 Stockdale's 11 it's no bother and um, and now it's I think it's Trimble's kind of joking himself it's like it's himself and the other old man Tommy Bow fighting over the, the other spot well there's a fella called Earl's want to worry about that one yeah but, um, uh, anyway we'll, we'll come back around to that um, Mike McCarthy uh, how are you getting on you alright yeah I'm good I'm good I'm rushed off my feet so <laughs> I've, I've started a started a, a real job now so th- into week three so hence me being a real rock- proper nine to five that's it yeah so hence me rocking up in the suit today rather than the track suit so it's a good uh, suit oh it's a good suit I look smart <laughs> don't I just need to get the briefcase now it's a nice shirt as well where'd you get the shirt oh my missus my missus has got a business called Garbo and uh, she, she makes made to measure shirts so there's your plug got a full wardrobe going <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, when where did Big Daddy come from Oh yeah, I get, actually I got asked this at the weekend with Trimby. Did so, you? Um, I th- I think originally it started on one of the tours with, with Ireland because probably because I'm one of the older guys. So I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think because it, it started off as dad hmm. because you know I'm pretty old. Well, I was pretty old my last couple of years. So um, myself and Rossi. So uh, I think that's how it started. Just because I was one of the older guys and maybe I was like the shepherd watching over my flock. Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. Yes. But uh, I think that's how it started, and then it escalated into Big Daddy because you know I'm a big unit, aren't I? <laughs> or you were maybe not putting in the errors that you want. You were, were you oh, getting yeah. bigger? Were you? Oh yeah, maybe it's because I was fast. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that one. Yeah. I thought there could be another reason for it. The uh, how's the um, so you you've been doing some coaching as well. So how's that? How are you balancing that with getting into the quote unquote real job kind of thing? Oh yeah, no, I just um, I'm helping out with Buccaneers and uh, so we do line outs, help them out with the line outs on, yeah. on Thursdays and then uh, get to the match on a Saturday. So the lads have got St Mary's this Saturday and uh, you know it's something I've really enjoyed. The great bunch of lads, they got promoted from uh, from one B. Um, at the end of last season, so uh, it's it's a big step up, and we weren't getting the results, but the lads were, you know, they were well in the games. Uh, unfortunately, last twenty minutes had been killing us, but we've, we've built some momentum. We got a, two losing bonus points, and then we, we won against UCD at home at the weekend. So it's back to back now against St Mary's. So uh, 
fingers crossed we'll be going into Christmas in a in a, in a, good, in a good place yeah it's a big, it's a big commitment <clears throat> you know getting trying to fit everything together yeah just uh, you know I'm loving the, loving the new job as well so it's uh, only into week three but uh it's, uh, it's it's a great place. I'm at a great team, and uh, it really everyone's been really helpful. So it's uh, it's good. Just uh, a, a lot of, a lot for me to learn, obviously. Excellent. Um, well, there's some new jobs being talked about, um, Pat, uh, Mr. O'Mahony and Mr. Stander. Um, what's going on there? Yeah, it's um, the O'Mahony def- one. Definitely seemed like the um, agent had been kind of just put it out there that you the, reckon, yeah, the deal has been rejected. Have we had Niall Woods in recently? Didn't we talking about this type of stuff and because um, there was a lot of info, like a lot of nice information that that um, I think Gav Kuminski had in the Irish Times about it, about the type of teams that are being in for O'Mahony as well, and um, you know an English side that are in need of a captain as well, like very specific information. I, so yeah, the, the, it was the captain one was really intriguing. Mm. You know, as in sort of that was actually putting the thing and said that there's a bonus here that goes along with being a captain. I need you to stump this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, and then and then all of a sudden the, the standard one is a little bit more like he just hasn't signed his contract yet. So let's all panic about that as well. But for Munster fans, you'd be oh you dread because like the fact that. You can't see these guys leaving, but the fact that Zebo's left, nobody expected that either. So you'd be um, crapping yourself until these contracts get signed in the next couple. Mm. Next It'd be couple odd weeks. timing for them to leave. You yeah, know, we, we said it was odd for Zebo. It would be even more odd now. I, I was saying that like um, what they're doing, like that's no mistake that there's ten or eleven lads that are out of contract with a year to go to the World Cup because they want these guys to hang around for the World Cup, mm. and that's the, the that's the carrot at the end. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's a, it's a risk to take, um, but they know that. They think that the most of them will get them over the line. Um, so yeah, the fact that Standers up as well. Um, there's just guys you look at and you th- you can't see them leaving as well. But um, O'Mahony then apparently just wants to do that deal up until the end of the World Cup and then trade again. Like but short termer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they're trying to get him to sign this. The, the new thing is the three year deal, which I'm sure you'd love to have got uh, every now and then. The, I, I would have loved to have got it at 36, 35. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so that, and that's it. the Ulster, Ulster fans would be fairly happy. They've locked in Luke Marshall, um, Mr. Treadwell, and Herring as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all three year deals, as you say, which is uh, good. That removes a lot of uncertainty around, around that squad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Mike, it's been interesting to see the, the way that certain situations are handled. Um, so we see this week. <coughs> Ross Moriarty has been announced he's leaving Gloucester he's going to Dragons um, that doesn't seem to be taken very well by Gloucester um, I'll come back to their statement in a second um, whereas we've seen Finn Russell's move um, even Rogers move at a coaching level from yeah. Racing to Crusaders um, and Scarlet's about Scott Williams yeah really nice about him yeah. so here's the contrast so, so Finn Russell's off to Racing, Racing yeah. replacing mm. Carter isn't he uh, apparently that had nothing to do with it. Oh, right. Okay. He swore with his <laughs> yeah. fingers t- crossed behind his <laughs> okay. back. Right. Uh, but yeah, so Gloucester's, Gloucester's quote was, um, he's a product of the uh, Gloucester Rugby Academy. This is Ross Moriarty. Ross has developed into an international player during his time at King's Home, but has now agreed terms elsewhere. Gloucester Rugby will be making no further comment on the matter. I can feel the coldness through that quote. Whereas Scarlett's simply replying to somebody who's saying, why are you letting Scott Williams go? said, it's a decision that is right for Scott and his family at this time. We respect him for that and wish him well with the next chapter in his career. We've got some great memories too. Thumbs up emoji. That's a huge contrast. Yeah. Like, what's it like inside the dressing room when players leave? Because you had to do that mm-hmm. when you moved from Connacht to Leinster. Yeah, it's... Um 
So I think Gloucester did a short statement and they did, obviously didn't thank him for his services. So you've got to look at it from two points of view. So from Gloucester's and, and, and from the Welsh, Welsh side. So for Gloucester, they, they feel they've invested time and energy into him and, and I suppose got him to where he is, which is, you know, 17 caps, 23 years old and, and playing for the Lions. So, you know, that, that's their frustration there. Then you look at it from the Welsh side. So... They, they've they've said they need their players playing in Wales, similar similar to Ireland. It's a model that's working very well for Ireland, and I, I, you know, going forward, um, I think they've obviously realised how how well that works for Ireland and um, how great Ireland are going. Obviously, over in the inter- autumn internationals, beating New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia in one calendar year. So, I, I suppose that's a model that they they've seen works, and, and they're trying to replicate it. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Yeah. So when I left Connacht to go to Leinster, I, you know, I knew, I knew the coaches were very frustrated because they wanted to keep me. Um, but it can. I, I remember having all the senior players call me and call me in for a meeting. We kind of sat round in the room and they were telling me that you know the reasons not to go. Um, did they lock the door behind them? Did they? No, they didn't lock the door <laughs> behind me. And to be fair, they you know great. I've got great memories of playing at Connacht and. Uh, Fantastic bunch of bunch of lads, and you know, for me, it was it was just time to go because I I nearly went the year Sean Cronin and Fionn Carr went. They 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 left, and I was going to go then. I'd been down to meet um, Joe and John O'Gibbs and Guy Easterby, and you know, I was pretty much definitely definitely going at that time. And then then I went back, and um, you know, I suppose got talked talked into staying. And um, so after that, I finished that two years and. Uh, you know, I just felt the time was right, um, and then I had an o- another opportunity to go to to Leinster when Checker was there when I when I was playing at Newcastle Falcons, um, but I, I went to Connacht. So um, yeah, so Connacht were, frustra- were, fr- were frustrated, and um, you know it's a hard position for the player because you know whatever decision you make, you sometimes you know at the time you wonder was that the right decision, um, but you know it definitely was the right decision for me, and thoroughly enjoyed my. Uh, Time at Connor, as I said, and had a great, great time at Leinster. So mm. that's that's the way I'd view it. But uh, yeah, the, the lad, lads totally understand now, especially nowadays that you know guys do move on and like it's like what Zebo said, going moving to Racing, it's, it, you do what's best for your family. So um, no one begrudges you for that at all. Mm. When you were so when you were put in that room <laughs> and all the boys are around yeah. you, um, at the end of that conversation, are you like? Cheers, lads! But I'm still leaving. Or it was like, oh yeah, I'll think about it, and then just send him a text on the way home. I'm gone. Yeah, no, it's 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 a little bit emotional because you you got so much respect for the for those lads you're really close with, the, you know, the senior group. And um, but it's hard. It's hard for any player moving clubs. It's it's um, it's it is emotionally draining. Like you know, I had I had coaches crying crying in front of me and things like that. So um, would it have, in a way would it have been easier if you weren't going to Leinster? Like if you're if you're just going abroad from Connacht. Um, or would it have been a factor at all in that? I'm sure they would have still been disappointed to lose me, but, yeah. um, you know. I can imagine someone like John Muldoon, you know, big Connacht man, I can imagine him banging tables or something like that in the room. Or no, you, no, there's none of that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. You're fishing, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, fishing. Yeah. I can imagine a big t- teary speech from Muldoon, whatever you say, I can <laughs> yeah. imagine tears. So that's that was your decision, right? But you, you've also seen it from the other side. So players that you've played with for a long time and have a lot of respect for that they are in a, a time where they have a decision to make about staying or moving um, have you seen players handle it differently? Some players who do it very well, very open and some players who do it badly 
Uh, good question. I, I suppose you. I suppose at the end of the day, when you leave, you want to be, you know, happy in both camps. You mm. know, you want you don't want to cause any friction between the two camps. And um, you know, maybe the first time I did did with Leinster because I said I, I think I said I, I said I was going and um, I had agreed to go. And then you know, as I said, got talked into to staying with Connacht. So um, you know, I felt bad on that side. You uh, felt bad for the. To Leinster, yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt, yeah, because, but um, you know, it's. I think everyone understands it's it's a very difficult position to be in, mm. um, and yeah, I, I can't really answer it any better than that. So no, that's fine. the um, Pat, there was an interesting angle to the uh, the Gloucester and Moriarty thing, which uh, the the press angle. It seems that according to Ross Moriarty, anyway, he has asked for no questions about him and his future to be answered by anyone to do a cluster at media mm. sessions that's a bit odd yeah because didn't they first of all say we're not cluster come out and said we're not going to be answering any questions about this and once we made our statement but then you had Moriarty coming out and saying I've been asking for this all season so that's the thing I'm getting yeah. at yeah you're like firstly why do that yeah you know because there are situations where a club or an international side will just say lads you can ask about this all you want we've given you a statement that's it yeah right? um, because I think the original reporting on it was that y- y- reporters weren't even allowed to ask the question which is obviously silly yeah. so that was clarified but Moriarty I, I don't know I, I I would I hope he's getting a word because that, that doesn't seem to go down well yeah that, yeah that he's you know trying to dictate the terms that like I'm not talking about this at all or, or I don't want, nobody I don't want can the club talk about yeah it. I don't want the club talking about it yeah. and then the club's hands are tied as well it's a strange power play isn't it like an does seem to be odd. There's another angle to this which I think was interesting. Is that the Dragons have said that uh, they they had to get um, they had to get Moriarty on their own terms because if they waited for Wales to negotiate a central contract, they might not get him. Mm. So we talked recently about the dog fight within Welsh rugby about players like the George North one. That's that's you know great. Yeah. Where will he land? Uh, it's another interesting one over in Welsh rugby. Um, but it is interesting to see the Dragons stocking up. That's brilliant to see, isn't it? Like, yeah. um, just cause dragons are, you know, for so long they've just been the team you expect to beat, and you put out your second stringers and you get a result against them. And they, they got pumped by Leinster, by Leinster's, you know, B team uh, last weekend. So, just if they can get a three or four Welsh internationals in, and then just build up the lads that are already there, uh, it's just better for the league. Like, it'd be great to see dragons be improved a little bit, and and Jackman maybe given a bit of time as well because he's already <laughs> under pressure. Like so, mm. it'd be great to give him a couple of years and get some Welsh guys back in that in that squad. Fingers crossed. It, it's an unbelievable signing for dragons, isn't it? Because mm. uh, you know, as you said, they got hammered by Leinster there by fifty points, and yeah. you know Leinster were missing so ha- many players and haven't yeah. taken a ten 0 lead. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Henson, Henson's drop goal from the halfway. Yeah, um, and then you know I remember last year when I I was playing, we played them at Rodney Parade and we, we were missing all our Ireland contingent and you know I think we beat them by 50 so you know B- Bernard Jackman's a great coach he's come in and it's you know it's not going to happen overnight um, but to sign Ross Moriarty is a great it's know, a statement s- statement for the club and yeah. on the back of him signing other players will see that and you know you're more than likely to get you know other big name players o- over the line with that one whereas when you talk about like with Munster Zebo leaving and in the press about um uh, Pete leaving and CJ possibly it's you just hope it's not the you know the revolving door hasn't been opened but you know it, it, it hasn't and they're just tactics to kind of you know get them a better contract but uh, you know it can kind of can what it can worry people so even for 
Munster who are trying to sign players if the, those 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 three Zebo leaving and then two of the main main players talisman for them are, are up in the air it's uh, you know can cause a bit of um, uncertainty hmm. I was going to yeah. say that actually like it was just of all the guys that are leaving like I was kind of saying I'd done a bit of list of them there like and you have like Ringrose O'Mahony Stander Rory Best hold, hold on Renit, they're not leaving yet <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're up for renewal yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and it was just like of all of them I was just kind of saying who do you reckon is the biggest threat there do you, want to go through, do you want to go through a couple of names yeah well, yeah. We have, so we've mentioned Stander and O'Mahony um, Best uh, Tyg Furlong is out again next June as well so is Kearney Ian Henderson Rob Gar- Kearney yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gary Ringrose Jared Payne Tommy Bow, and Andrew Conway as well you think the you think the younger lads are kind of less likely to move away, but I ju- I just looking at one name sticking out there is is Ian Henderson. So he, he's still, still I'm not sure how old he is, but he's still pretty young, isn't he? Twenty um, twenty five, twenty six, yeah, exactly. twenty six. Yeah, he's a lion. He's um, he's playing great, and the the game of the weekend against Argentina was was huge for him. I thought because. Um, he, he was calling the lineouts at mm. test level, and maybe mm. he hasn't done that very much before. And I think it was uh, Joe, you know, resting Dev, putting him on the bench, and realizing, look, um, Dev, there's a chance in the future Dev might not be there. You know, he he might get injured, injured eventually, <laughs> and uh, who's going to call the lineouts? And um, you know, Donica Ryan now now is gone. Yeah. Who 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 was a caller? So probably a bit short of uh, of test calling locks. So for Hendy to 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 call them against Argentina and to call them really well. Uh, I thought was massive, and that's a massive string to his bu- to, to his bow. Really going to add to his stock in terms of he's a lion, but also he's a he's a lock, he's a six, and he can, he can call mm. the lineups as well. So um, you know, it's there's there's going to be a, and as well, he's a, he's a, he's a big unit. So you know, we know how much the French clubs love the, love their big ball carrying. Oh, they'd, yeah. they'd love him, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, Henderson. Yeah, they'd they'd, they'd flog him, and, and yeah. he'd, he'd do a job for him as well. And just yeah. he'd be in the dog food factory after a couple <laughs> of years. <aren't> it? <laughs> but normally, normally you think it's kind of the, the guys getting a little bit older who'll be more more at risk to go because you know they probably have over fifty caps, and they they'd be like, look, I've got fifty plus caps, and you know probably now's now's the chance to experience something new. Or even looking at from their point of view, one last big contract. Exactly. You know, yeah. Not putting the test career at risk. I've already done that. Yeah. Um, so I look, you can appreciate all sides of this I always say uh, rugby's a really short career mm. and look you know yourself Mike the money's not the same as the football lads over in the premiership um, there's another life afterwards and you have to take care of that you have to take care of your family and that's like all of us so this is a really individual choice for all of them so as long I as I wasn't even getting paid I was just playing for the love of the game <laughs> Jeez, someone should have had a word, Mike. <laughs> honestly, just no, no, I don't need agents. I'll look after this myself. The, um, as long as you have free free kit and free food before the <laughs> yeah. match, protein bars, protein bars, <laughs> all the protein bars Mike can carry. Um, so, to speaking of second rows, right? So we saw a really interesting um, selection last weekend. James Ryan, mm-hmm. um, young man, very young in lock years. Uh, How do you think he went? Yeah, I thought he was really good. Just um, you know, really good without kind of standing out as a lot. Of, I think a lot of the players, it, he was just really solid. Did you know that's probably a good thing for the second row? Just did all the nitty gritty really well. He's. Um, I was in the gym with him a lot last year. He was an injured gym. He had a hamstring injury, and he's got a huge frame on frame on him. And uh, I think he like he needed to put a bit of uh, a bit of bulk on him, and he, he certainly did do that when he when he saw him tour in the in the summer. He's um, he's really filled out, and as as I said, he's he's got a massive frame, and 
He's he's really tall. He's uh, I think. Do you mean a, fr- a frame that will fill out over yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he did fill out. He he really. Uh, when I saw him on tour in America, there he uh, he he had really filled out. Hmm. Um, so he's got he's got all the attributes. He's got he's got the height. He's got the size. He's got the strength. Um, he's really powerful. He's pretty quick, and uh, he moves really well in the lineout. So um, you know, going forward, he's he's uh, he's going to be very big for Ireland. Hmm. And I suppose. Joe probably earmarked it as a chance, you know, leading into the next World Cup to give him give him some game time, give him some experience because I think Joe even said the next the, the Six Nations, you know, he he probably won't, you know, uh, delve into his, his squad depth as much as he was able to in the the Autumn Internationals. Now it can be tough enough to break in at certain yeah. positions like locks is when you have a lock partnership there that's settled. Mm-hmm. We, people don't like breaking those up around Six Nations time. Exactly. You know that yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it took, going back, I mean, it took you had that big breakout game against um, South Africa in an Autumn International, yeah, and that kind of set you up to be perhaps seen in a different light when it came to the following Six Nations. Yeah, possibly. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but I, rem- I remember that game because I actually wasn't even meant to be in the squad. I was a bag holder all week, and then Paulie, Paulie had um, I think it was his, oh, it was his back. Yeah. And, um, On the morning of the game, was that the one? Or? No, 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 that's that's the one with Dan Tui, I think, in oh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, Paulie was really good to come up to me, and I don't think he was 100 percent sure, but he came up to me Tuesday night, and said, "Look, he's struggling." So. Yeah. Um, there's me. I went off, panicked, panicked away on the laptops, trying to get my, you know, <laughs> learn that detail that uh, everyone talks about. And uh, because I'd been repping the South Africa place, yeah. I've been calling the South Africa lineouts against Ireland uh, on the Tuesday. So uh, to be honest, I didn't really know the game plan or the sh- the, the plays the lads were going to be doing. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a stressful week. D- didn't don't think I slept a, a wink the night before the game. But uh, thankfully, well, we didn't win. But uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. I know, oh, weird situation. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. So in in short summary of the autumn internationals, um, good the number of players who've now mm. stepped up and are now part of a proper depth at the top level. Is there anything bad? Anything we we didn't see that we want to see? Uh, uh, yeah, like I suppose. I, I we I think me and you both got a question after maybe the 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 night after that we beat Argentina. They said someone was on to us on Twitter and they said. They still haven't tested hooker, uh, scrum half and out half. Like and like it is tough. Like they were maybe planning on giving Carberry a bit more time, and Carberry got injured. Like so, um, but the other one is just like you know, Herring got a chance. I think Niall Scannell is going to be the guy that takes over from Best. So I'm not too worried about that. Hmm. Um, or deputises for Best at least. But yeah, maybe scrum half. We still haven't figured that out yet. Like it's if Murray plays, he's a class above, and if someone else doesn't, Ireland don't play quite as well. So okay. I, yeah, I just think it was really positive, um, you know, to beat South Africa by thirty points. I remember everyone after the game and 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 a bit a bit after Argentina, everyone was saying, "Oh, you know, were South Africa and Argentina really really poor, or were Ireland really good?" And you know, I generally think Ireland were really good. Again, South Africa that first game, all the areas we thought South Africa would come at Ireland, the scrum, the driving mall, the big heavy, you know, direct one out runners. We just completely nullified them by us play, playing well, and um, you know chipped away. You know got on top of them in the scrum at the start, and you three points, three points. The game just got away from them. They got frustrated, and um, I just thought it was. I thought it was a really good performance. Then, if 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 we're really nitpicking and identifying areas which are maybe possibly they can work on, maybe a couple of times. I think South Africa and Argentina 
sometimes we get a, a small bit narrow in defence and they, they get outside us a couple of times uh, South Africa did a couple of times but they dropped, dropped the ball mm. um, and we saw that last year's Six Nations against Scotland So, but it, it improved massively since then but as I say we're really nitpicking if we're um, but n- knowing Joe I know that Argentina game he, he, he won't be happy about um, in complete control of the Argentina game then after half time mm. letting them back in for I think two or three scores Joe he, likes to nitpick Oh yeah, of course, yeah. and that's why he's so good. You know, um, he'll he'll see that as a you know mentally weak and a, a big a big lapse in concentration. So I'm sure. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I know that will be identified going into camp the next time. All right. Um, yeah. Mike will be back later to answer your Twitter questions. But up next, we talk all things Pro 14 with their communications manager Adam Redmond. The hard yards. Now, when the cups are decided, you're fine weather but that's probably a two-month period. You have to do the hard yards. Hey, that's the name of the show. Excuse the pun. No, that's perfect. We're going to use that now. <laughs> I'm on a bonus for that, definitely. Yeah. Get that in. The hard yards. The hard yards. On Sports Joe. You're welcome back to the hard yards. The addition of the Cheetahs and the Kings to the Pro 14 has dramatically changed the face of the tournament. And we have the Pro 14 communications manager, Adam Redmond, in studio to talk about how that last minute deal with the South African went through. And I think we'll get some other stuff as well, Pat, will we? Yep, a lot of breaks of talk coming up. All right, yeah. We'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> okay. Get the diplomats out, won't you? Um, Adam, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I've uh, been uh, become a, a secret fan of the podcast, so uh, it's nice to see the, the guests on. I'm very impressed with Sam Warburton recently, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and I actually did mention to see uh, said DVD. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you, you were counting them at home, were you? I <laughs> yeah, DVD enthusiast Sam Warburton. The South African entry into the league has has been a big one. So, August first, I think this year was the formal announcement that we have two South African sides in the shift to conferences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. September first saw the Friday night game at uh, Kingspan Ravenhill, where. Mm-hmm. The Cheetahs are playing a real rugby match in the Pro 14 against Ulster. And then two weeks later, we see uh, Zebra and Leinster down in South Africa. How did this actually happen? From your perspective, how long was the talks going on before August 1st, that announcement? I think, uh, you know, it's been, it's been sp- spoken about publicly by some of the, the union chiefs who were involved in it as well. But No, I want to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, if you've heard the figure three months, that's uh, fairly close uh, to, to the actual reality of it. Um, I think we got told internally, look, this is a strong possibility, um, you know, shortly after the final at the end of May so it was probably early June um, and then so from a tournament perspective we had to get everything set up for plan A or plan B you know if this, if these teams are going to come in if they're not you know what happens you know in terms of conferences um, you, you mean everything conferences fixture lists yeah now there had been conference uh, ideas uh you know, working away in the background previously because obviously expansion has you know has been spoken about publicly. That's on the agenda. So at some stage in the future, you're kind of saying, well, if we're going to increase, uh, we're going to need to change from a league to a conference. So luckily, there was you know as they would say on Blue Peter, here's one I made earlier. So there was a bit of a framework, which was mm-hmm. great. Um, but I suppose it you know ever since the North American um, angle was spoken about um, and uh, our CEO Martin and I spoke about that then uh, August 2016 um, you know anybody who wants to get their country involved in professional rugby seems to pick up the phone and ask us hey can we have a game Um, so when the South African teams were 
Um, when the South African teams were going to be cut from Super Rugby, I'd say there was initially there were rumours, but in terms of anything substantial, it was probably um, you know around May time when that really picked up. So. I so think you're looking from May through to August as being the here's where we're actually trying to pull this together, but you're still working on the plan for if it falls through. Yeah. And then August hits, the announcement goes out, this is real. There's no turning back from that point. How what were the challenges? We know about a couple of challenges, the Leinster visa issues, um, player getting bit by lion. <laughs> what else were you guys having to deal with? Um I suppose you know, we were particularly getting closer to the announcement and you've got to remember that all, all in the background here there is, you know, there's board meetings, there's a lot of very high level talks going on and, you know, even though the goal was to get these teams into the tournament and, and change it around, you know, there was always a chance that something might not work out. So while you're trying to deal with the South African Rugby Union, while you want to deal with the clubs, there's only so much you can really do until you know contracts are signed and somebody presses the go button. So trying to get our, our clubs, our new clubs in the Cheetahs and the Kings, getting them up to speed, um, you know, knowing who to pick the phone up to straight away, who my counterparts are, who the counterparts are in the commercial, on the on the match day operations side, all of those relationships have to be built uh, and started immediately. And some of them, you know, have to be done over the phone, over conference calls. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of long hours put in. I mean, all of July and August, um, sleep was a luxury, not a necessity. Um, so, you know, just purely from a manpower point of view, there were challenges there. Uh, you know, just everybody had to pull their weight, building the relationships with the new clubs and um, getting them up to speed into what we expect from our clubs, you mm. know, when they uh, when they get involved uh, in the tournament. Now, there's also the, from my point of view, there's the public facing side of it. So we've got to try, we had to try and educate people around the conference systems. The first thing. You did the video. We did the video. So yeah. we'd been working on that for, uh, for about six, seven weeks. And uh, the guy who actually put it together was probably tearing his hair out because I think the final edit was, came in about 24 hours before we actually put it out because there was all these little elements that we wanted to tweak and you were going back and forth because uh, I think when people heard about conference systems they naturally thought of Super Rugby and how convoluted uh, that theirs is mm. ours really is quite straightforward um, but it's all well and good me saying that or our figureheads going out and saying that we had to make it very accessible for everybody so Is everyone on board with it yet? I know um, Pat I was saying yeah because like, I remember after the Leinster-Munster game and Munster got a late score and somebody said oh what about the bonus point and Leo Cullen said I couldn't care less like it doesn't mean anything to us in our conference so it's 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 never going to be perfect in that way you know what I mean like it's like teams are playing each other but it might not matter that someone gets a bonus point or a winning bonus point because they're not in the same conference. Yeah, well, I think when you get to the end of the season, it's probably when that will look, you know, a lot more uh, valuable than maybe it does in September or October. I mean, if you look at Leinster and Ulster now, I mean, they're they're level, they're they're pretty tight, mm. and you know, if Scarlets keep going the way they're going, then Leinster and Ulster are fighting it out for the home uh, quarterfinal stage game out of that conference. And uh, I think the bonus points then become uh, very important, no matter who you pick them up against. I think what it does is it puts a heightened uh, expectation on those games against teams in your own conference. So last weekend, we saw Cardiff and Connacht now in a league situation where normally, you know, you, obviously in the 12-team situation, if those two teams were eighth and ninth, 
maybe there's not mm. the focus on that that there was last weekend the fact that the guys are separated by uh, I think two points in the conference and they're both fighting to make sure that they're in that um, if they're not challenging for top three that they're in the fourth place so that they can get into the Champions Cup playoff game so I think it's actually brought a lot more competitiveness to the games regardless of whether it's in conference or out, out of conference So how real is the um, is further expansion talk I mean in terms of years would it be two years time three years time I wouldn't say there's any timeline or anything, but all options are being looked at. All options are that's politicians' are being, answer are being explored. Well, I mean, that's there are a lot of options for us to look at. I, yeah. you know, um, I think what's happened with with South Africa is it certainly wasn't in the plans. If you were talking to me this time twelve years or twelve months ago, yeah. So where where that expands to, I mean, so far it's been really positively positively received in South Africa. The clubs uh, are thrilled. Uh, they seem to be having a better time uh, in our competition than they were in Super Rugby and that's not just on the field, it's off the field and, and everything that goes into it. Um, they're really enjoying, you know, the fact that they're meeting up with Northern Hemisphere clubs because when, the, when our guys go down, uh, they're there for a week, they're touring. So that mm. element that uh, guys sort of come in and come out and don't really interact with the local communities and that type of thing, um, they've now got that from the likes of, you know, Ulster or Scarlets or Edinburgh this week. Um, so that's gone really well. Super Sport are really impressed uh, with the, the TV station down there. Yeah, yeah. so Super Sport for anybody who would know, Super Sport are probably the you know, Sky Sports of South Africa and they have, I think they've got 12 channels and they can switch on an extra four if they need. You name it, they've got it. NFL, Premier League, um, they show as much rugby. I mean, if you're a rugby nut, uh, they've got every single game in the world nearly in, on uh, Super Sport. Mm. Anyway, they've been really impressed with the viewing numbers, not just for the games involving the South African teams but for when they show like Ulster and Scarlets they got really good numbers so that's on TV but has, has attendance in the stadiums is that disappointing so far or are you expecting that to build we'd be expecting that to build and I think again it goes back to sort of an education around for the supporters so if you take the Cheetahs for example you know they're really big the Curry Cup uh, is such a big part of their history and it's almost like Munster's obsession with um, the European Cup and so, you know, for the Cheetahs, the fact that they had a team playing in Pro 14 and the Curry Cup, you know, to explain to their supporters straight away which is more important. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a process that doesn't just, you know, you don't just get from point A to point B and finish it all up overnight. So their their attendances will, will obviously grow. Um, I think the one thing that we've got to acknowledge is the two of them have 46,000 seater stadiums. So, for example, Leinster get great attendances, but if you put them in Aviva Stadium every weekend, or like we saw with Edinburgh, if you put them in BT Murrayfield every weekend, you know, it's not going to look uh, packed to the, to the rafters. I think with the Kings as well, uh, there's also an element of the team's going to get more competitive which will attract more fans and then it's about them trying to find where is the best place for them to play their games but uh, certainly we'd expect by the end of the season and particularly with Cheetahs uh, and I would say with Munster going down there in April uh, that could be quite a competitive game in that conference because I would imagine playoff places will be on the line between mm -hmm. the two of them and I think that's the type of fixture that will rally around and really hammer home to the fans in that area in Bloemfontein what this tournament yeah. means Cheetahs home games have been good value so far Pat Yeah it's been great it's been great to see because like you always thought that um, you know like when they were playing away at the start like just give them a chance let them get back to South Africa and see what they're like and geez, they've, they've hit the ground running with the minute they've got home and they've been a great addition to the league the Cheetahs like the Kings I'm not convinced about yet but uh, 
yeah, hopefully they get there and they, they get some recruitment in as well. They get mm-hmm. they bring some guys in that maybe bring fans in as well. Like you get a couple of big big names. So recruitment's a good one. So we're seeing a lot of players come back to the Pro 14. Um, Ross Mariarty, uh, George North is announced. We don't know where he's going yeah. yet. Um, what's it like from your point of view centrally when you see this happen? Um, and I also add another thing is we, we've got the, the conflict between bringing these players in and I've mentioned Welsh people so far and then perhaps not seeing them because of the fourth test outside the international window. From your point of view in the league, where do you sit in all that? Right, well, <clears throat> so we are, for th- again, a bit of background information for people who might not know it as often, but so our, our, we're owned by Celtic Rugby, which is the, the Welsh, the Irish and the uh, Scottish unions, and now the, obviously the Italians and the South Africans are involved in that. So South so African, to be clear, South Africa, to, to come in, they had to throw money to, into the pot, correct? Well, they came in, they brought the, the TV deal in. Money. Which was with, yeah, money. So... Um, so we are now working closer with our unions than we have in the past and again just a slight history lesson so it was probably up until even uh, before the start of last season the tournament body for Pro 12 and Pro 14 is it now separated out from under the the shadows of uh, Six Nations and the Lions so it was all run under one Mm. roof it was Um, one office literally yeah one office Mm. and there was very few sort of full time staff really dedicated uh, on the tournament so when you know, a couple of years ago, when the board of Celtic Rugby decided, look, we need to, you know, we need to do everything we can to maximise the Pro 12. Uh, you know, they started off with recruitment. They bring in Martin and I, and he puts the game plan in place. You know, and we go out for our own entity, bring in a lot of different uh, people from different backgrounds to flesh out the, the the team that we have, and that's now led into just greater sort of contact and cohesion with not only our clubs but with the unions. So, you know, when there's a strategic plan. You know, and I think all the unions have the same goal. They want their best players playing in their own countries where they can look after them. We want to see them playing with those clubs in the Pro 14 uh, so that we have all that firepower. But I think it's an interesting point when people focus always on the fact that like international players will miss games. That's, that's a fact of life. Um, no, no matter what tournament these guys were playing in, you know, if they play for Ireland, you are only going to play a set amount of matches. Is, is that a bigger issue in the Pro 14 than the Premiership or the Top 14, for example? Well, we service four national teams, five national teams going forward, if you include South Africa. And, you know, so that's on average, what are you talking about, 30, 40 players amongst either two or four teams. You know, so if you take Italy for example, you know call ups uh, for their for their teams that that hits them hard. The same with uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh. But I think we also have to respect the fact that you know if you had internationals playing every single game, that would be fantastic. But where will the next Steph Evans or the next Gary Ringrose or the next Blair King or the next Stuart Hogg? Where do these guys get their breakthroughs? Jordan Larmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he might have got a chance at the weekend, yeah. You know, so there's an incredible amount of uh, current international talent. There's an incredible amount of next generation international talent. And then we've got our sprinkling of former guys from Southern Hemisphere or guys who aren't maybe current internationals. So, I mean, last year we about 300 internationals turn out in the tournament, which, you know, and that's not just, you know, uh, they don't all disappear when there's internationals on as well because there are former... Uh, internationals or there's guys like who uh, Gary Ringrose who will be lighting up your screens a couple of months later hmm. um, going back to just uh, one point I just wanted to go back to is the the fourth test is that something which you've brought up with, with Welsh rugby because it does seem to be um, a pattern you get, becoming a habit 
it does seem to be coming a habit. I mean, and they want the money. Yeah, great. I think um, Simon Thomas thought it's four, two and a half million sterling or something they get in. Yeah, um, it does seem to cause trouble. That's what I was saying. Yeah, like you, like you know, you, for that you get you can afford to pay the contracts of a couple of big players, like so. Mm. Um, but yeah, what, but in, in an ideal world, what's the league stance on that? In an ideal world, we want to get to a, sta- a situation where we have our fixtures arranged and we're not clashing with international games. Mm. Um, so you know, one thing we're bringing in the conferences, we've actually reduced the regular rounds by one. So now we're twenty-one instead of twenty-two rounds. Um, that doesn't give you a huge amount more leeway, but. Um, I think we've done a better job in terms of planning with the unions and around the games where internationals might be missing uh, this year. We'll improve on that again next year. Um, in terms of asking about you know, when we have international fixtures on, look, the unions, um, their job is to fund the game in their countries so you know I don't think you can take anything off the table and as if you as you say the Welsh Rugby Union want to play a game that brings in uh, that amount of income uh, well then that's good for the Welsh Rugby Union and good for rugby in Wales because otherwise how do you help invest in Dragons how do you help ensure that you've got the best players on national dual contracts so um, I know a lot of people out there want to have their cake and eat it but you know, not everything is as straightforward as we would believe it to be, or that we'd want it to be. Um, and I think that's probably one of the other nuances of you know being a five-country tournament. Um, that you have five different rugby ecosystems. Um, you know, Scotland and Ireland very much union down, and the the, the teams are under sort of strategic guise. That's changing a little bit in Wales, Italy. Uh, now the Zebra are under the fold of the FIR and Benetton. Then they're sort of separate to that again, but there, Conor O'Shea is sort of put uh, a structure in there as well and then South Africa is, is a little bit of a mix but mm. so there's a lot of stakeholders yeah yeah uh, that, that that's fair that is a fair comment um, right and thank you very much for coming in uh, today and next up uh, Pat McCarry you were talking to Andrew Trimble this week so we'll have that interview next The Hard Yards passionate about sport this is The Hard Yards and uh, Pat you were talking to Andrew Trimble yeah, um, Andrew was down um, down with us this week and came into the office and uh, I was in great form. Yeah, so uh, and buoyed up as well by the, uh, the the try he scored against Treviso at the weekend and um, yeah, so so he's good and ready to go. Had a chat with Schmidt and very important about, try. Yeah, yeah, like um, got got them over the line. Look like they were going to lose that game as yeah. well. So. Um, you know, there's always pressure up at Ulster, as we can see in chats with Stephen Ferris and stuff. But um, that's you know, if they can follow that up again with a win this weekend against Dragons, they'll be back in good shape as well. So um, I know he's in good form, and he's done it before. Like he knows that if he can put together a couple of strong ones, he's he's not out of the mix for the Six Nations. So um, he had a great 2016. So he's hoping that uh, 2017 is the blip and 2018 is the, the comeback. So how do you end up talking about party training in this? Yeah, it's it's like whatever is whatever the big thing in your life at the moment is. Sometimes people catch me making a cup of tea and they say what's up, and I end up blabbing on about home life or something. So yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, and then they walk away and they say I'm not going to ask that guy how he's doing again. So that, I just kind of just started off with say to Andrew like someone comes up to you and says what's the crack you know what's the biggest thing that's going on in your life at the moment what's occupying the mind so um, and he was in great form chatting about it as well. Yeah, I was I was going to start off with something not even rugby like but uh, just say today like I was saying for us the biggest thing in our life at the moment because is we were little kids Patrick and he used toilet training like and if anybody asks me how I'm getting on it's like this is what's going on and I'll bore them about that 
or if you know a couple of weeks ago we got a hare we know we bought a rabbit that we thought was a hare you know <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I'll just tell people about that so just how old is Patrick by the way he's uh, he's two going on three he's going to be three now at, uh, just before Christmas yeah okay he's a wee bit ahead my wee fella's three in June okay yeah and he's he just he isn't he isn't getting it at all. Yeah. The, the party training we tried a few months ago there, but no joy at all. Yeah, but we're very competitive though. Uh, my wee fella and Robbie DX wee fella are in around the same age, and Robbie DX wee fella is getting the hang of it, and Jack's lagging behind. So yeah, I'm losing yeah. that battle. Yeah, because I was just gonna say yeah, it's like if someone was to ask you or if you're, someone say what's going on like what's the biggest thing that's going on in your life at the moment like it could be rugby it could be anything else well that's the thing like, I find actually, kids is a big thing because I find I bore people with my kids stories as, <laughs> as you've just experienced there <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, as you say you know it's a big thing going on in your life and then all other people see is is the rugby and they think that dominates everything but it's actually you know relatively quite a small part of your life mm. And you have what was it the a couple of years ago there was talk about the gym and stuff that was set up is that still going strong? Are you still involved now heavily enough? I'm not involved now. It's still going. It's still going well. Mm. Um, last I was chatting to the fellows up there, but um, I wasn't getting up enough, and um, yeah. so I wasn't really sort of as committed to it as I should have been. So um, so I'm not as involved in that anymore. But it's still going well. The boys are yeah you know, kicking on with it, all right? And there was um, yeah, just recently it was, it was funny to be there. That was the, I saw you last that for the Fiji game and yeah. to see the the Ulster crew down to, yeah. to do the work. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of funny enough to kind of uh, to kind of see those lads who are still you'd associate with playing and stuff like that as well. Uh-huh. But you're um, you're kind of doing the media work. How are you finding that? Because you were down for a couple of games, weren't you? Yeah, I quite enjoy that to be honest. Um, it's you know myself and Darren Cave mm. are just kind of getting getting to grips with it. Do a bit with Radio Ulster. Um, I did a bit with in the Aviva fan studio as well for mm. the Argentina game there. So yeah, I quite enjoy it. It sort of puts you out of your comfort zone a bit, and I'm learning a new skill set. And um, I'm not sure it may or may not be something I'd like to get into, but certainly at this stage, I like to keep options open. And um, I mean, myself and Darren are kind of we can be you know nerdy enough about a rugby. So yeah. We might as well put that to good use and, and uh, bore people on the radio with it anyway. And it's contract season at the moment. See, Ulster announced they had a like Treadwell, Marshall, mm-hmm. Rob Herring as well got the deal signed. And is have you been sorted? Have you got sorted last season? Yes, I'm not up this season. Yeah. I'm up. I'm up at the end of next year. Um, so I've got a year and a half, and it's actually a relief not to have to worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What is it? Is it kind of? Do you normally get the deal done before Christmas? Like, is that a thing, a goal to get it done before all that? Thing? Quite often, it depends whether you're um, a provincial contract or national contract. Um, and again, it depends where you are in the pecking order um, mm. for either of those. Um, quite often, national contracts will get sorted out now after November. Um, that's where I've been in the past. My, I'm currently on a national contract next year on a provincial contract, so um, getting to that point, um, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a hassle to have to worry about it, and it's something you know I, I enjoy these seasons when you know no matter what happens, at least I've got a job next year. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the thing where like because sometimes if let's say if I was looking for something in, in work, I might wait until the Six Nations comes up or is over, and then you can show them here's what I've done in the last month or if you had a good couple of games is that the time then to give your agent a nudge and kind of go yeah but then they, you, you sound too desperate and then they know they, they know they've got you anyway so um, I think there's no there's no right or wrong way to do it yeah. I think you just play as well as you can and if you're playing well enough they'll, they'll, they'll give you a ring and what's the because it must be strange for like let's say yourself and someone like Tommy um, 
like to kind of are you and him kind of just looking at each other now going I can't actually believe we're the two the elder statesmen here in the back line is it a strange kind of thing do you look at each other every now and then and or are you good motivation for each other as well? Yeah, we are. I mean, Tom, Tommy and I have—we've always been competitive with each other, and mm. it's always been something that's helped me. And um, I think it sort of spurred me on to try and you know com- compete with Tommy, just because mm. he's you know such a quality rugby player and such an athlete and knows the game well. So I've always found that I've wanted to try and keep up as much as I can. Um, and yeah, we, we're looking at each other and we we try and. You know, there's there's only room for one old fella out there, you know. So we try and kind of shift the blame. So he's the old guy. He is six months older than me, so I would argue that would make um, a significant difference. Um, but um, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, there's young fellas like Jacob Stockdale, um, uh, Craig Gilroy. These young guys mm. are coming through and they're playing unbelievable rugby at the minute. So you know, we we got to find a way to compete with them and, and stay in there. Does um, even looking at some of the the, the lads and. The, uh, I think I was looking at Rob Carney. He's got his like a spruced up new haircut and stuff, maybe to make him look himself look a bit younger. I was thinking, <laughs> have you ever kind of played with a guy or heard stories about guys who might dye the hair or you know do anything to make themselves look that little to, bit younger? To yeah. try and buy a couple more years. <laughs> yeah. No, I think boys see straight through that. <laughs> that sort of behaviour <laughs> probably would have the opposite effect. Really, show um, some so like a, a whole new wardrobe. Exactly. No, it's not. That's that's not going to work. Boys are going <laughs> to see through that. Um, yeah, you mentioned someone like with, with Jacob there. Um, talked to him at the very start of the season, and uh, and even the, the sense I got at the start of the season was like everyone's trying to keep his feet on the ground back then. And since then, he's went on, you know, being great in the Champions Cup, and then all of a sudden had this great Guinness series as well. Yeah. So, um, are you kind of seeing him on a day to day basis? Like, is he? You know, away from the cameras and stuff like that, he's still putting the work in. He's still kind of coming yeah. in and, and yeah, he's. St- I think it comes as no surprise to any of us, really. You know, seeing him play last season, um, in bits and pieces last season, he just showed like he was just threatening to kick on and really um, sort of grow into himself or become kind of the player that he'd been talked about. And um, and you know, he sort of bided the time and he got his chance and he's taken it and he's backed it up a good few times this season already. So. Um, yes, yeah, good to see. I think when you if you saw him run around all summer, uh, just playing conditioning games, he just looks so fit, so fast, so powerful. Um, serious athlete, and then when you see him on the pitch, he's got a bit of nice as well. He knows the game well, so um, doesn't it doesn't surprise any of us really. And as you say, you know, off the pitch, he's as as, as humble as uh, you know now as he was a few years ago. So um, yeah, it's good to see. And if you're there, let's say you were, you know, at the Aviv for the last couple of games. Um, is there a bit of pride, kind of you know, being an Ulster player as well, seeing the lads like Stockdale and, and even Treadwell coming off the bench and doing well? Yeah, it is. It is. It's good to see you now. Obviously, you know, the you know, it's nice to see Rob Herring mm. um, get on and do well and get his first start as well. And, yeah. You know, he kind of has had to bide his time, and it's been tough for him. You know, with, with Rory in there as well, um, province and country, so mm. it's it's tricky for him. He came on, did really well. I thought. Um, uh, Treaders getting off the bench did really well, um, and then obviously you know Jacob and Handy, um, the two guys you know Handy not quite as as um, you know fresh faced as Jacob, but yeah. still you know pretty you know pretty young, pretty up and coming, and, and you know pretty exciting to see where he's going to go in the next few years. But and as well as that, seeing Handy kind of progress in his leadership role, you know he's a captain in the making, yeah, um, and he you know, calling the lineouts whenever Dev wasn't there for the Argentina game. You know it's good to see him really growing into. He's very very capable, um, physically all the right attributes, mentally very switched on and pretty pretty clever there as well. So um, yeah, he's he's very exciting to see. And as you say, 
I'm very proud to see him as an Ulster player, as a friend of you know both those guys. Mm. It's good to see him come on, kick on, and show how good they can be. Yeah, yeah. And it, was there a thing where like, um, like even looking back at yourself, like um, eleven games in 2016, and then a couple of injuries around the time of the Six Nations, you got back for the France game and mm-hmm. picked up something again. And then we maybe thought you were rested for the summer, like you know you just kind of were. Let's leave Andrew off. Did Joe give you a call before this thing and say, "I want to just try other guys. I want to see other guys." over November give you a shout again over Christmas or was there any kind of conversations like that? No um, I, I hadn't played enough I hadn't had enough game time really in the run up to November mm. just there's a lot of competition it's hard to get on the pitch it's hard to get it um, you know kind of in the mix there um, and I you know kind of suffered from that you know the amount of competition there is and I dropped down the pecking order a little bit um, uh, and I suppose because of that you know uh, you know I didn't didn't get in the mix for Ireland Joe, Joe said that he said you know this isn't necessarily you know a sign of where things are going mm. in the future but this is where we are now and you're not quite there now which you know I couldn't disagree with the word he said you know I wasn't quite um, playing the sort of rugby I would like to see myself play I wasn't quite as abrasive as I normally am and mm. um, yeah he said listen you get yourself back in the mix and you could be back in the mix for Six Nations so I'm holding on to that and I feel like I've still got a lot to give I'm still very hungry for it and looking forward to hopefully you know getting a chance at some stage and kicking on because yeah we spoke I remember back um, after you'd got the uh, player of the year and you'd you know and you'd done so well in that Six Nations in 2014 and you were saying the talk back then um, was 2012-2013 season you were just going to focus on Ulster and it ended up paying off for you like, so is uh-huh. that going to be the thing over the next couple of months absolutely yeah and that's uh it makes things a lot more straightforward. I think it makes it the the approach to get back to performance or uh, to target and performance. You know, the approach is very very simple. You know, just do the things you do well and rehearse them and, and work on the things you're not so good at. And that's that's what I'm doing at the minute. I'm trying to just just you know, I suppose just simplify my approach and just try and get out there and be myself and um, you know not not get wound up, not get uptight about things. Just get out and try and be myself and be. You know, there's a lot of things I do well naturally and just want to get back to doing those. Yeah, and because and it was the thing, like, sometimes you kind of hear the narrative or you start seeing the comments online, um, oh, Trimble isn't playing well or something, but I would have seen most of your games where you've been involved in, apart from maybe the the away games when you're playing in Italy, and, and even then I think you scored in one of the away games, mm-hmm. or even twice in one of the away games. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes the narrative just forms that, like, oh, Andrew's not quite in top form, and that's what everybody then just says to each other, but... Did you see it yourself? Are you like as you kind of said? Is there another level that you can go up to again? Like hopefully for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, there is. I don't want. I'm, I'm very reluctant to to, to sort of buy into what other people are saying. Mm. You know, I I feel like um, quite often, one person mentions something, another person sees something that, in some way, resembles what they're saying, mm. and all of a sudden, you know that. You know that's public opinion, and yeah. that can be shifted unbelievably quick. You know, one big performance can change that totally. One bad performance can change it the other way. You know, so um, for me, you know, I'm just trying to, as I say, just really simplify things. You know, I'm still really hungry for it, and still really firmly believe that there's kind of a, this season. You know, being slow to kick on, and when just that that season you're talking about, yeah, you know, Six Nations 2014, I I, was, I really wasn't myself up until Christmas. Um, so, so Christmas is a big turning point yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I felt like I wasn't really I remember uh, Mark Anscombe was involved at yeah. the time 
and he, uh, you know, I played well in one of the end of pros around Christmas time, and he said, "Finally, you're getting a bit of form." And he was slagging me, you know, yeah. the head coach slagging you. So, you know, got a bit of form, got a bit of confidence, and kicked on to the next game. And just over the course of like three or four games, just put myself in the frame for Six Nations, and then, you know, things can change. Like as things have changed for the worse for me in the first half a dozen games of the season. Um, you know, very very quickly they can change for the better as well. So yeah. I'm gonna keep my head down and keep working hard, and you know, try and get back in the mix and 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 just keep reminding myself. Um, there's a lot of good things I can contribute to a team performance. So and is is it a feeling like you know in your head when you're in good form? Does it feel different to like? Is do you just kind of feel that bit more? The ball's coming to me. I'm gonna be in the right spot at the right time. Is it is it easy to explain? What it, it's what very it's, very strange, very very psychological. Um, one thing I have, um, you know, I've, I've always come back from from um, Irish camps, you know, with the influence of just the, the level of training, the level of quality of player around you, mm. and you know, certainly the level of coaching. Uh, I've always come back from an Irish camp feeling absolutely buzzing. So you know, I've, I've missed out on that this November, yeah. which which you know, um, you know, would have been nice to have been involved there as well. But um, you know, for, for me, it just I suppose. Whenever I'm playing well, it's 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 not complicated, you know. I, I try and read the game in defence, get off the line, um, make big tackles, carry hard, chase hard. You know, these are things that you know, very very simple game plan mm. for a winger to get into the game. You know, if you do those three things well, you've had a good game. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's that. That's kind of what I base my game about: being very physical with and without the ball, making good reads, working hard. Um, and looking after the ball, so it's you know it's it's a simple way to get back to performance, and there's absolutely no doubt I can get back there, right? Yeah, yeah. And and how's it kind of like for for you guys? Like even for yourself, confidence wise, helped getting up. You got off the bench, scored the winner against Treviso there again. Um, big few weeks coming up again. Like you've got your the Interpros and the Champions Cup again. So, um, what's the target for you kind of guys? Because like it's easy to see sometimes up there at Ulster things can turn quickly enough or the fans can kind of turn again against you mm-hmm. in a performance or two but like is it get the next couple of games out of the way what's what's the plan for the next couple of games uh, to be honest it, um, one or two games in the last month uh, we've won and we've won ugly yeah uh, you know there's been times when our, our performance hasn't been quite what we wanted but we've dug in and you know there's there's a, there's a lot to be said for not quite playing as well as you would like mm. but still getting getting the wins and you know that that winning knack, you know, that is it's a habit. Yeah. You know, if you if you're continually just getting over the line and then you click and then you get that performance as well as that mindset of, of winning, you know, there's there's a lot of potential in us, you know, from that point of view as well. So um obviously last weekend, you know, we left it, you know, last ditch and we got there, we got the win. Um, you know, against a fairly handy Treviso side, but you know, a lot of things we did, did in that game we wouldn't be proud of. But we got the win in South Africa. You know, same. You know, defensively we were very poor, but we got the win. You know, we dug in and we showed a lot of character. And there's a lot of character in this team, and uh, we've got to go to Rodney Parade on Friday, and that's going to be unbelievably tough as well. Uh, and then we're back to back in Europe against Harlequins. So, uh, you know, I think if you know, we just need a click, and, and I'm I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will, and hopefully sooner rather than better. And the um, you're kind of like saying maybe even like the the fact that you're kind of just you're appreciating things a little bit more maybe have you got the chance to ever kind of bring in like Jack or anything like that then to the dressing room at the end of a game you know Rory yeah. would kind of do it with his lads and stuff like that as well have you yeah. got a chance to do anything like that I or? did I brought, I brought the wee fella in um, uh, for the 
at the Leinster game at the end of the season there. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Ruin and, and Roger's last game, so um, uh, Anna, my wife, um, you know, threw him over the barrier to me, and he was down around the pitch, and it's a very, very proud moment, mm. you know. Um, he was obviously there was a um, there's a guy dressed as a bumblebee walking around the pitch, and he was more concerned about the bumblebee than he was with <laughs> me. But um, yeah, he loved it. He loved just running around having the crack, and the crowd were like. He was running up and down, they were cheering at him, and he was dabbing at the crowd. <laughs> so he was having the crack anyway, and uh, that was a really nice moment for me to, to be there with him and enjoy that. So, The, um, the other thing I want to get to, maybe uh, I'll probably pick a game, but you pick any game you want, but I'm just kind of thinking, uh, go back again. I'm thinking about Soldier for Fields when you guys beat the All Blacks just a mm-hmm. year ago. It's a talk about that we might play him against twice now next year. Um, but just I'm trying to get the sense of like what's it like in that dressing room at the end and is there a sensation again to describe of like mm-hmm. this sense of achievement or how does it feel when you're the, well that game um, in particular there was it was that's the strangest feeling of, of experience after a game um, and I, I just remember the boys were just walking around just shaking their heads just no one's saying anything, just going, what have we just done? That was incredible to be a part of that and trying your best. You never really can, but just try and just savour every single moment. Just walking around the pitch even before you even get to the change room and just enjoy every second of that and just drink it in and just be a part of it and be in the moment. But then it's gone, you know, and it's it's such a shame that you can't just be in that moment forever. But, um, but you will always have those memories. Um, and, you know, being a part of that day especially was very, very... You know, very special and meant a lot to me to be a part of it and to to share that experience with a lot of the lads. Um, that was an incredible day and you know loved it. Yeah, well, listen, I think again, I think I, you're the type of guy. You, I think you can get back again next year and have those kind of feelings again and those kind of memories again. So all the best in the the next few months and we'll be chatting again after the Six Nations and give man Pat. Yeah, all right, all the best. Thanks. Great stuff there from Pat with Andrew Trimble. Up next, we're going to look ahead at some of the weekend's Pro 14 games. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Rod Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports Joe. Thanks for listening. And if you are a fan of the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. We're going to preview some of the weekend's Pro 14 games now. Um, if it's your first time tuning in, myself and Pat have an ongoing predictions competition. And Pat, um, this is actually in the script, which is a little unfair. And it says it's not been going well for <laughs> Mr. McCurry. Um, that, that's harsh. But it is true. It's uh, it's good to see I'm getting heckled on Twitter now as well by some of our listeners. Yeah, like. three. Well, yeah, it's good. It's, it keeps me focused. It's it an invested audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last week, uh, last week James Downey um, gave you a hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, did well on the test stuff, two nil, um, and then the Pro 14. I pulled it back. So overall, fifty thirty five to me. So we've we've got a bit of a way to go here. Um, this week, this week, Kings versus Edinburgh. 
Edinburgh two point favourites yeah, I'm going to go for Edinburgh now. I was going to go for Kings, but just let's just say a little birdie told me that Edinburgh might have a good a good go at it this weekend. So I'm going to back Edinburgh. You're going to go Edinburgh. I will go with the Kings. I kind of liked what they went, what they did recently. Um, Dragons against Ulster. Ulster are five point favourites away at Dragons. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I don't know how many. Um, they might lose a couple of players to the, the old Fort sneaky test, um, but I'll go. I'll go Ulster in that one. And just because Dragons aren't in a good place at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, they did get an absolute mullering. Um, mm. We'll probably talk about it a bit when we come to Leinster. Uh, I'm going to go Ulster on that one. Yeah. So you're going... I'll go Ulster, Ulster as well. Okay. Uh, Glasgow, 17-point favourites at home to Cardiff. Uh, Glasgow, who um, did bad things to Ospreys. Yeah, and they're unreal. Like They're having a great season. Um so yeah Rennie's doing good up there already linked to the Wales job as well <laughs> so, to the Wales job yeah he's been linked to that as well so just in case um, Gatlin never kind of parts ways mm. Rennie's been lined up already that's how good he's done so um, yeah I'll you know Cardiff did me in there last week but I'm going to go for Glasgow on that one yeah I'm I'm going Cardiff on this I do think Glasgow will win but 17 points is a lot because it is. Car- Cardiff are not Ospreys um, they're they're better uh, though they did take advantage of that um yellow card uh, coming back early uh, Zebri versus Connacht Connacht are 8 points favourites away um, yeah I'll, I'll let you I've just realised I've been hogging all the predictions there sir, so I'll let this you is know. true <laughs> this is true that is unfair um, I will go for Zebri on this I think Zebri will finish within that handicap in fact they might even sneak away mm, I'm going to go Zebri as well Okay, um, and we get to the Leinster game so Leinster are playing away in Italy as well away at Treviso they're 13 point favourites after doing uh, despicable things um, <laughs> to Dragons after they took that early lead yeah it, it looked like it, it looked like it was shape I was kind of following the Ulster and the Leinster games and um, yeah it looked like that was the Leinster game was going to be the one to keep an eye on it might be a bit of a shock can we have a word about Ross Burns cross kicking skill oh unreal he did it two or three times but as well didn't he but that's that's his thing yeah he's one of the best in the world at it. and it's almost like he kicks it so it, the ball's almost it's dead, like you know. So, it, like, it, there's no pace in it when it, it when it hits the ground. It stops and hovers. Mm. It, it's unbelievable. It's like the ball is levitating, waiting for the, the the guy to arrive. It's it's fantastic skill. It really is. So, fair play to him. He had an absolute stormer. Yeah, in that great game. to see. Um, so, uh, I'm going to go Leinster in this. I don't like um, ter- having to cover 13 points away from home, um, even if it is in Italy. With the greatest of respect to Treviso um, mm. and Mr. McKinley, who we had on recently, uh, but I will go Leinster on this. Yeah, that, that's okay. Um, makes it easy enough because I, w- I was going to go for Treviso. So. Grand. Munster, um, 16-point favourites at home to Ospreys. Uh, I will go for um, I will go for Munster on this because Ospreys are, are bad. Yeah, um, they'll be probably be- begging just to get that George North. Who knows who he's going to go to, but they've got uh, Scott Williams now, so maybe if they can get George North as well. But they're, they're just in they're a shambles this season, so... Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll happily go with Munster in that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Munster are going to do a good job at them. Uh, even though Munster are riddled with injuries as well, like I think I, I, I did a story that they've got fourteen senior players out injured as well at the moment. So uh, that's how. But, uh, so we're looking for an injury ridden, riddled Munster <laughs> to win by seventeen against that's, Ospreys. Yeah, that's the lack of kind of uh, respect I have for Ospreys. Yeah. That I think injury riddled Munster are going to going to beat them by more than sixteen points. Can I tell anyone who hasn't, who didn't see any of the Zebra Munster game from last week? Will you go look at Simon Zebo's pass to Alex, for Alex Wooden's second try? It's one of the best passes you will ever see. It is just phenomenal. 
brilliant yeah brilliant wasn't it um, and he was uh, Clotig uh, he was brilliant as well I think he got man of the match as well so uh, but Zebo just toying with them wasn't he hmm. and there is no line for Cheetah Scarlet so we're just going to ignore it let's ignore it that's how we roll and, yeah. we're, sh- and we're short for time and the producer's staring at me <laughs> uh, we'll see how the weekend unfolds up next we have listener questions for Mike the hard yards passionate about sport Mike <laughs> yes that's Mike McCarthy Mike does this this is letting you in behind the curtain. Mike does this during recording and um, Paul, our sound man, uh, his ears are never the same after this happens. Um, Mike is back to answer your fan questions. We put a call out and these are the best ones we got in. Um, we are tight for time here because Mike has all these jobs. Uh, I have to get to work, lads. Sorry. Yeah, that, um, that is quite true. We're not making this up. Um, so here's, here's the first one. Some of us have to work <laughs> for a living. Uh, first one. Brian O'Regan uh, asks a question about the Cardiff Connacht game last weekend and it's yeah. a good one it's a good spot this uh, he says it seems Nick Williams came back early from his sin bin he helped win a penalty at the final scrum and could have cast a last attack from Connacht what are your thoughts so I went looked at the tape and Brian is right um, so 69.55 Williams got a yellow card we know that's the time because the referee stopped the clock um, 78.36 which is less than 10 minutes uh, Williams comes back there's a scrum immediately and um, he then jogs to the next rook and then there's a carry and then Nick Williams carries and with 30 seconds to go in the game there's a penalty right under the post it's game over um, this isn't something we see often but it shouldn't happen I mean that, that's an easy one isn't it Pat? Yeah there's, there's got to be a, an official just split almost like a countdown like, or even on your phone like a 10 minute countdown and don't let the guy I know the guy's you know like a if you've been binge, you've been like you're, you're you just want to get back out as quick as you can. But you know it might actually be but longer than ten minutes. But if the clock is stopping, it hasn't been ten minutes. It should be simple enough to hold Big Nick back, and uh, it looked like it. Yeah, it did cost them in the end. Well, it could certainly cost them an opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, there at least it wasn't a, a final or something. Having like myself and James Downey having backed Connick to win as well, like it's. Is yeah, that that penalty that penalty brought it from a push where neither one of us would have won to me winning it. So um, I'm out, I'm all in favour of yeah. these officials. I want that game replayed. Yeah, um, Mike, is that something you're conscious of if you're Simbin? You? Well, if you if you're Simbin, you're just itching to get obviously itching to get back on. So yeah. I don't sure. Maybe the touch was a bit scared of Nick Williams. <laughs> possibly I don't know. But of course, it's going to have an influence on the game to play. You know, playing with 14 men. You, you know, coaches you know talk about it the whole time. You, you just can't afford to to play the game with 14 men because it's 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 so hard. Mm. So yeah, of course it made a difference. I'd say Car- Cardiff, if it happens to you when you're playing, you'd be saying, oh, it wouldn't have made a difference. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're just complaining. But then, you know, from the other side, of course, you're going to be fired up about it. It's, yeah. Because um, in fairness, if you want a big ball carrier in the last couple of minutes, Nick Williams is yeah. a, he's a big well, boy. If you just want 15 men to be able to fill fill the field in defence, you know, that one extra guy, you know, makes a big well, difference. Well, so. Nick Williams fills a lot of field. He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. Um, from Tony Down Under. Uh, and this I think we have to direct to Mike um, the best well bold well bold yeah the best and worst referees you've had uh, the best I like, I like Wayne Barnes John Lacey uh, unfortunately I got on the wrong side of a lot of them but um, and my new favourite referee is Frank Murphy who I used to play with at Connaught favourite uh, He's my favourite, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're completely so, unbiased. Yeah, there, I yeah. didn't have too many games under him, which I think he's delighted about. Um, Frankie was actually best man at my wedding, so I'm I'm pretty tight with him. But uh, we 
pre-season we played Bath last season at um, Donnybrook and it was kind of his first big game and uh, I was trying to I was trying to WhatsApp him and stuff before <laughs> telling him you know Bath do this and do this and I want to make sure he refs it properly and this sounds he, entirely appropriate yeah well he wasn't even he wouldn't even, he he didn't even write back to me so I think he was obviously one of his first big games he's pretty uh, you know, but nervous, uh, nervous about it probably, and um, and you, I, I and you were was, helping. I think I, he was worried I was going to be acting the maggot uh, during the game, <laughs> and you know, ch- you know, saying stupid things to him. But uh, to be honest, during the game, I was I hadn't played six months after that concussion. That was my first game back, so I I was struggling for for oxygen. So I I literally didn't say a word to him for the whole game. But uh, it's great to see how well Frank's doing, and um, I think he's going to be refing some European games this season and. Uh, yeah, he's doing really well, so it's really good to see. Mm, it's great seeing that referee pathway come through. Um, and there's a second after this question, which I'll direct over to Alan. When is Joy Neville going to be on the podcast? Soon. Okay, soon, says producer Al. Um, okay. It's great, wasn't it? That award at the weekend. like. Oh, it's fantastic to yeah. see. Yeah. But ref, ref, of the, ref of the year. It's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay, on, we'll leave it there. Uh, use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week. So, thanks to Mike, to Adam Redmond, to Andrew Trimble and Pat McCarry, Alan Lucknan for producing, and Paul Donigan was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. Is Dev Toner on soon? Is Dev Toner on soon? Um, I don't know. Love to listen to a podcast with Dev Toner. We're not getting us soon yet. Dev, yeah. if you're out there. Mike Mike wants you Um, this has been The Hard Yards I'm Andy McGeady thank you for listening we'll talk to you next week The Hard Yards passionate about sport